I definitely think uh, many youngsters should believe in their dreams and go for it. That's the that's the first thing because for many years I didn't believe that it, this would be possible, and here I am working as a professional tricker. What's up, guys? Today's guest is a two-time European tricking champion and the owner of Legend Trick Gym. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Velu. What's up, man? Oh, thank you so much, Travis, and thank you so much for having me here. It's a dream of mine to be in Jamcast, and I've been following this since the very beginning. I appreciate it. So it's an honor to be here. Man, I appreciate that, and thanks for making the time. I know we have a crazy time difference. What time is it locally over there in Finland? It's 10 p.m. at the moment. It's okay. We just finished the open session. Actually, many people wanted to stay, so I wanted. I had to kind of kick them out. Like, okay, tonight you're not gonna stay. Next, maybe tomorrow again. That's amazing, man. And dude, this is one of the most beautiful setups ever. Like your background is incredible. The lighting is so clean, and I'm so glad that we get to like showcase the gym on this episode too. I'm always here, so it's natural for me to also do the podcast and the episode for the kind words about the gym. We made sure in the design that you need to be able to have good quality videos <laughs> from the gym. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And so, yo, like before I start every episode, I always ask people how to pronounce their name and I didn't even want to attempt to butcher it. But uh, just for, you know, for everyone out there so they can hear it, how do you pronounce your actual full name? Veli Mattisaarela. I had no chance of saying that. <laughs> yeah, so better to just call me Vello. Uh, value like the americans used to say it. yeah <laughs> exactly man and this is amazing for me man because you've been a, a figure in tricking for quite some time like i've been i've been tricking myself for like over 20 years but like i believe you've been tricking for almost 15 years yourself at this point right yeah actually almost 16 years when the christmas is gonna come it's gonna be 16 years so i started a few years after you but it's already a quite a long journey and uh, not that many people from back in those from back those days trick anymore so i see the generations come and go just like you know how it is 100 percent. that's crazy and how did you first stumble upon tricking especially like being where you are i know the the scene out there is not as big as it was here in america um actually it was my neighbor who showed me the very famous video called friday night madness tree by team ryoko the canadian team that was all around the internet back in 2005 and after I saw that video for the first time, I was hooked immediately and always thinking that how would it feel like to be able to do the same thing, same flips, front flips, all kind of crazy twisting, spinning moves as those guys. And I went home, Googled about backflips aerials and found out about trickstutorials.com, the famous forum from Jujimufu where all trickers around the world were connected and trickit.net. So there was already a forum in Finnish language and I was able to as a young 12 year old boy read from the more experienced Finnish trickers look Finnish tutorials already back in those days so huge shout out to Timo Varraland for actually hosting the site back in the days and looking up to Jujimufu and doing the same in Finland. That is crazy, man. It's really funny that you mentioned Team Ryoku because I feel like the new generation has no idea what that is. But if you're anyone like our age, that video was instrumental in inspiring so many of us. When I got the chance to finally work with Chris Mark, who is you know the owner of Team Ryoku, uh, on some TV shows, I, I had to tell him, like, you have no idea how many people around the world you inspire just with that 
that sampler of them training in the gym. And to me, it was so cool because not only did you get to see tricks, but it was like the entire vibe of like a group training session. They looked like they were having fun. There was like elements of break dancing, some weapons. It was just, it absolutely blew my mind. So it's so cool to hear that you had like the same inspiration almost back in the days. Exactly. It was not only the tricks, but also the vibes, you know, they were just having fun, jumping on the obstacles, doing some b-boying, some gymnastics, some martial arts, and just overall, you, when you saw the video, you wanted to be there. And uh, for me, it was the kind of the ultimate, um, ultimate sampler and the way how samplers should be made for many, many years to come. So uh, it's, it's amazing that you got to work with them. It was also a dream of mine back in the days. It's still so... haven't done it, but who knows? It's Chris Marks. He's still doing movies. Yeah, he's still doing movies, and he still owns like a, a karate martial arts school up in uh, in Canada. So nice. I met him back in the days, like ten years ago, at, at the Toronto gathering, Panda gathering. Uh, it was a cool moment for sure. That's super cool. And so you kind of just alluded to it. There was a team in Finland back then. Who who were the uh, the guys that you got to train with initially? Like who helped like formulate your like basics and stuff like that? Or did you train alone when you first started? Mm, I was lucky enough to have a older generation who already started before me, but for the first one and a half years, it was just me and a group of my friends who were jumping into the snow, jumping to the water. But uh, eventually some of those friends uh, started to lose the motivation and the inspiration to keep on training. So I found out that uh, these older boys are training at the Batcave. It's a gym we yeah, gym called Nashalli in the city center of Tampere in my city and finally I found the courage and uh, went to train with them and started to learn from Team Unido. There was guys like Heiki, Riku Huamo, Ansi Nurmi, Henrik Tolvanen who I started to train with uh, on regular and they taught me like you shouldn't only twist, uh, you need to learn how to kick as well. You need to have clean basics. And uh, Finland scene was really about having clean basics at a time. So me coming up as a, some kind of a, you know, new generation twist bot, they always put me on the on the place and told like, hey, you gotta hone your basics. You gotta make it look good, not just add one more spin. That's so I'm so really cool. thankful for those those uh, lessons. That's absolutely crazy, man. And how old were you when you were first starting this? And did you play any sports before this that would lend itself to acrobatics? Or was this like your first experience with flipping in general? First, ex uh, yes. Tricking was my first experience with uh, any kind of acrobatics. I didn't have martial arts, no gymnastics background. I actually couldn't even cartwheel when I started. But I did do sports. So I was playing football, like the European wars and soccer, not, not the American football and uh, ice hockey. So not on a not on a team, but I used to go every day out on the court, basically the same way like I would call tricking later on in my life. So I was already used to training or doing sports on my own. I didn't have a teacher, so it was natural to start tricking also without having a coach, just by finding out information from internet and trying on your own. And uh, it really started by asking my uh, classmate how to do a cartwheel and uh, he taught me how to do it and uh, that's how I got started that is amazing man and in those early years like where you were you know really stumbling upon tricking and, and laying the foundations for your you know your your roots in this acrobatic sport how many days a week were you training and how long were the sessions going for were you like obsessed with it or was it something you could only do every so often 
I got really, really obsessed quite quickly <laughs> with tricking. And I think that's what, what has to happen if you want to get good at anything. Uh, so even in the very beginning, it was just fun. It, I didn't count it as training. It was just fun going out with friends and flipping around. So I didn't count the hours. But when it started to get more serious, I would say 2007, 2008, after a few years of training, I started to really lift up the amount of training when it got to the, I think the top top amount where I was training was around 2010, 12 to 14 times per week. So it was basically, I tried to have one day off, but almost every day I was training in the morning and after school or in the evening. Dang, that is crazy, man. That's, that's absolutely crazy because I remember seeing videos of you like very early on, like you were one of the few people that was actually like putting out like a significant amount of footage even back when you started and to see like the levels of progression. I remember like one year, uh, all of a sudden, all of us in America were like, yo, who is this kid? He's like, his level ups are, are getting crazy, crazy, crazy. And uh, before long, like I remember like the first clip for me that really stuck out of my mind was uh, the B-twist, uh, B-twist to double back. Yes, that was 2008. Yes. Oh, you remember such a long time ago. Mm -hmm. B-twist, backhand spring, double backflip. And that's crazy. How many years have you been tricking at that point? Only like three, four years? Three and a half years. So, yeah, it took me only that amount of time to be able to, like, get the niche of tricking into very, very high level. So I wasn't yet very all around. I didn't do it all, but I already knew that... Like, if I want to make my name in the game, I need to do something new. I need to, you know, do something that hasn't been done before. And uh, especially, like, like you said, like, uh, the Americans started to notice that who is this kid. So this was pushing me back in the days when uh, Juju Mufu, Daniel Graham, you, Anise, when, uh, you know, I noticed that, oh, man, my heroes are, they've seen my videos, so I will train double harder to... <laughs> to maybe meet them someday so that that's amazing yeah that's amazing that you still remember it from such a long time ago yeah and and i've never um i've i've never been to the bat cave so like uh, excuse my ignorance on this question right now but what is the floor like there it doesn't look like spring floor right and did you have access to spring floors also or were you exclusively training there we had access to spring floor, like, okay, let's go to the first first part of the question. So Batcave floor, it's tatami mats, but it's not a concrete floor under. There is a little wooden layer, and under the wooden layer, there is uh, some kind of little foam. It's not like a spring floor with foam, yeah, yeah, but basically it's a, it is a wooden floor and then tatami on top. So it's better than just concrete with tatamis, but it's definitely much worse than the foam foam block spring floor. So it's, you know, something from in between. And I believe that's one of the reasons why I was able to build my body strong in the beginning, because I didn't train only on spring floor, but uh, instead on the mid-level, like hard, kind of like how we call it now, hard floor, dead floor. <laughs> you know, back in those days, I was like, whoa, this is so soft because there is some kind of food under. <laughs> now, now we are too used to the spring floors. And I started to get a gym access Already on my first year of tricking, I got to try gym floor maybe once or twice. It was amazing. Uh, I didn't count any more tricking samplers that I saw on spring floor. I was like, oh, it doesn't count if it's landed on spring floor because you can try anything there. <laughs> that was my mindset in the beginning. 
And uh, later on, years passed by, I went to, to adult gymnastic, cheerleading, because we didn't have our own tricking session. But this way, after the gymnastic training or after the cheerleading practice, we were able to have a session. So it started to be maybe a couple of times a week until five years of tricking behind. I won the first uh, big trick 2009 and I came home and was just thinking that I cannot do do like this anymore. I went to talk with the headmaster of the gymnastic team and asked that, please, can we have our own session? And eventually it worked out and we could start training three, four times a week on spring floor. And that's also when the progress really started to skyrocket to the next level. That's amazing. And like during this time, were you still training with the same group of people once you started to, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, kind of get recognized and elevate your game? Were you still training with the same people or did you have like some specific training partners that like really helped you at that time? Mm, basically still still the same. Like uh, Unido was existing for a long, long time. We tricked together for eight years uh, since I would say 2007, even 2006, all the way to 2014, around that point in time. I used to have, of course, like some people came, some people went, but the core core people were still around. And uh, in the beginning of the, my tricking career, I used to trick a lot with somebody called Antihero. He's not in the scene anymore, but uh, shout out to Antihero. And, uh, then later on, Ansi Nurmi, who is still performing with us and actually right now on a two cruise ship tour doing shows. And uh, whenever he gets back to Finland, we still perform together. We've been tricking together for 15 years. That's super cool, man. And now you just kind of brought up the big trick. So I, I have to ask you about this, and I'm sorry if it's like a bad memory, but big trick five. There was a clip of you that went super viral where, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, we'll probably throw it on the screen where uh, you like crash into one of the tables mid combo. What what exactly happened during that time? And what were you thinking during this during this experience in front of a live crowd? Yeah, it was my first big moment. I got to the German television. They showed it in slow motion many times. I was like, whoa, I'm in German television. This is so crazy. They call it the table dance. And uh, just I was used to tricking on a big spring floor. For the first time, I had to battle in a little bit smaller floor. I was going for chase step, swing, uh, chase step, double cork, swing cork, swing double cork. I hit the angle a little bit wrong in the first one, so I started to lean back a lot. Almost fell down, tried to save it because it's a battle situation. But uh, when I was getting up from the, I don't know, some kind of macaco cartwheel and jumping up, I could see like on my left side that, oh, I'm going to land on this table and there's no way I'm going to stop it. So let's just try to go enough high and tuck so I could actually land on the table instead of, you know, jumping over it and uh, going out from the States or whatever. So I just tucked in and hoped for the best. And luckily nothing serious happened, but it stays as a really fun and great memory to, oh man, I was watching that clip so many times and laughing. It's, it's a really fun memory for sure. I'm happy it happened. Yeah, it's definitely like a moment in tricking that like I'll never forget. And, and what's cool about it, though, is that like you said, you're able to laugh it off and nothing serious happened. And, and you continued on like throughout the rest of the, of the battle, right? Like nothing, no serious injuries and nothing mentally that stopped you. Mm -hmm. Just funny. It's so funny. <laughs> and with that being said, man, like you've actually been someone that's been flown out to like tons of gatherings. Uh, you've battled tons of times. I haven't had the chance to fly you out to America to be a part of my series Trickstar. 
uh, back when we were doing the online battle series and stuff like that. Is battling something that you enjoy? Because we kind of get mixed reviews from some of the tricksters we've had on the show. Some of them absolutely hate it. Like, you know, Ethan Turner's not a big fan of battling, but then I know there's guys like Jacob Pinto who absolutely love going out and trying to like destroy his competition like what's your view on battling very similar i watched the episode on ethan turner so very similar to him actually and i was really surprised because i thought he would like to battle but you know he's more like you know wiping it out and feeling it out and i i, I was always the same now looking back I understand that it's very important for the sport and I it's amazing that we have people like Jacob Pinto and people pushing the battles as well and I'm very happy that I did my time in the battle scene as well and got a lot of experiences which later on helped me on stage but I, it was kind of always the part that I didn't like about traveling and I was thinking that this is the necessary bad that I need to do when I go to a gathering because I want to meet all these people, I want to have fun with the tricking community, I want to meet my idols and have a session together. But what made it possible, you know, it was kind of you paid the price with the battling for for being, that's how, that's how I was always thinking in my mind. So I need to keep training hard, I need to do the battle so I can keep on doing what I enjoy doing. Yeah, that's awesome. But of course, there's some part of me, like that was the overall feeling, but of course, there was some part of me that really enjoyed, like after you get to the floor, I didn't like the part about being nervous and uh, all that, but after I got to the floor and got to the good flow state of battling, I, it's also fun, like afterwards you feel so great. The, I also, what I can really relate to from Ethan, I always thought about it and what made me calm down before the battles was thinking about it that like we're building a show. So like, doesn't matter the outcome, but let's make the best show possible for the people. So if I'm gonna hype you up, you're gonna, you're gonna do something crazier and it's gonna hype me to go even harder. So that was always the mindset for the battles, but definitely I enjoy doing shows more than battling. Okay. And is there a battle in your mind that stands out as like your favorite one or one that you're like the most proud of that is like a positive memory, I guess? For sure. The first big experience, so the Big Trick 2009 and the big sampler called the Velo King of Tricking was made out of it, which got me flown out for so many gatherings back in the day. So that's, that's kind of the one that started it all. So I really have very fond memories out of that. And uh, I think the feel where I felt best battling was Giga Battles back in the days. It was a big German gathering and there was a huge crowd of people around the spring floor and we often used to have uh, big team battles so that it wasn't as nerve-wracking and I remember that those were the battles where I really just wanted to go to the floor and uh, kill it as hard as I can. And that's cool, man. You, you just brought up something uh, really important that I was going to bring up eventually, which is, you know, that sampler, Velu King, a tricking stuff like that. Some of uh, the two samplers of yours that besides that one that stand out in my mind is like some of my favorites is Homeless and also uh, the Hard Floor Session. For some reason, I really, really remember that video because, you know, back then, like you said, there weren't that many guys that were really doing tricking outside of spring floors. And for some reason, that Hard Floor Session really stands out in my mind. I can still like see the, the entire background and what you're wearing and everything. Is there a sample of yours that is like your favorite or one that you know it was the most proud of that you, you felt like was the most rewarding making? That's so interesting that you remember it from back in the days. I was so proud that I was able to hit those big tricks uh, barefooted on the hard floor. <laughs> so so mm, my favorite, 
That's a tough one to say. I would say the newest one, which is five years ago, <laughs> the <laughs> Warrior of Light, yes. 2015. I would say that's uh, at the moment my favorite one. I also like 2009 Summer Sampler because that was also kind of one of those ones that were first noticed by a big crowd. I was really trying to make my name, trying to hit new moves and trying to bring some new technicality to the game. But I think 2015 Sampler means the most to me because I already felt like, oh, have I plateaued? You know, I went to the army. It was really difficult to come back from there. And uh, I was feeling really stuck and I don't know, like, am I going forward with my tricking anymore? And then I was able to make that kick-ass sampler with the corking back out landed in it. And I felt like, okay, like, this is it. Like, this is the new level and I'm finally stronger than ever before. Totally. That's crazy, man. And and that's something that we've kind of had a discussion uh, with Johan on when he came on here and, and did his jam cast. But how long did you have to serve uh, in the army for, for your country? And like, how, how did that affect your training? For me, I was lucky it was only six months. But basically, I told them that if I don't get out in six months, I will go and do my civil service instead. So I knew that I want to get out as fast as possible. And uh, also another condition that I need to be in a barracks in my city. So I kind of went, gave them conditions like either this or this, or I will do my civil service. And it's normally either six, nine or 12 months. I cannot remember how long was Johan. Was he six as well or nine? I think, I think six, if I'm not mistaken, but I'll have to double check. It was, he also wanted to get out fast to get back to training. So we are lucky in that case, because if you look at Korean trickers, they have to go for two years. Israeli trickers, they go for three years. So I don't know, for me to whine about six months, it, uh, it sounds bad, but for sure it affected my training in a negative way. Even though I was able to leave a little bit early, I got special permission from the captain that if we didn't have camps in the forest, I was able to go to the bat cave, have a session, and uh, come back so you were still able to train but the, you know they're trying to stimulate no not stimulate simulate the situation the war situation so they don't let you sleep enough and uh, you're always tired so it was difficult my tricking definitely went down a lot and when, after i finished six months it felt like oh my god like how am i gonna get back michael Guthrie is so far away already <laughs> that's amazing and how, how old were you when you were enlisted in the service Mm, I was, let's see, I was a little bit late, so 2013, I must have been 20 years old. That is crazy, man. That's that's something that's very, very difficult and something that we're lucky and blessed in America where it's an optional enlistment, like we're not required to do so. I, I know that anytime you have to leave your sport to, you know, go do something bigger than yourself is difficult. We've even had guys like, you know, Kalen Chan, who's a parkour and free running guy, talk about how he went on his mission and the effect that it had upon him mentally, you know, and stuff like that. So I really commend you for being able to come back and then still make such a huge impact on our sport and stuff like that. It's crazy. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I think voluntary would be better for us as well, but uh, let's see, <laughs> maybe someday, because some people really benefit, you know, for some it really gets their life together, they learn good, important life skills, but uh, me and Johan definitely had different goals in life, so it was just an obstacle on the way. 
100%. And now along the lines of like, you know, that being your, your sampler you're most proud of, like there's been so many other things that you've landed, whether it's deemed like first or just like, you know, absolutely amazing. Uh, I, one of the th- things that stands out in my mind is when you did the cartwheel swing double back or cart swing double gainer. How long did you train for that move? And what was the, the learning curve like that? Were you crashing all the time? Like, were you on spring floors and mats? Like, how did you actually build up to landing that? I was doing it to the foam pit from a tumbling track. I cannot remember exactly how long, but I would guess for around one or two years, because usually I always took it really slowly until I feel comfortable and safe to try something on floor. That's when I took it there. So I would say it, it took a couple of years doing just cartwheel swing double gainer to the pit, which is slightly lower. So I was still afraid to try it on the floor until I had it like really easy and consistent. And on the day when I landed it, I'm not fully sure anymore. I feel like it was the first try on spring floor, but there might have been one when I land with the hands on and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't die. Okay, now it will happen. But for sure, I didn't crash it for a long time. It, It was either first or second attempt. Okay. And then another one obviously stands out in my mind is, um, the snatch cannon and do you remember what number in the world you were to land and what made you choose that setup as the way to do it because that's a very unique setup i was the second one after tim farley so when he showed that it's possible i was like okay okay this needs to be done and uh, i was the first one back in the days in 2011 to try it on the floor so i kind of gave the idea three years before for for the community so i crashed it quite gnarly on the spring floor from Gainer Switz and uh, I, I knew that uh, that's going to be the setup if it would be landed but at that point it was more like a joke you know I tried it and was like oh can you imagine but uh, it will never be landed though uh, but Tim Farley showed otherwise and when he did it I, I started training hardcore I got so excited that oh my god it's possible I want to feel the feeling how it feels to be so strong to be able to do it and uh, for sure it's the best setup for me it's the one that generates the most power so it was obvious choice that's crazy man because a lot of the ones that we see in present day you know even tim's for example he used a lot of momentum into it doing like his you know his skip into his master scoot and a lot of guys try to do it out of like td rays and stuff like that so to do it out of gainer switch is just so crazy to me that would be like the last one that i would want to use but uh I mean, you obviously killed it. And did you have like a bunch of crazy crashes leading into that? Or did you do the same thing as the cartwheel? Did you utilize like a foam pit and then break it down to level floor? Not crazy crashes. I don't like to do that. I try to try to limit the crazy crashes. So I was training, training it to the foam pit from a chase step. I was almost landing it. So I knew that I would be close from gain switch because I get more power out of it. Then when I started to land it, basically each try from the chase step i knew that i'm gonna i'm ready because i can get much more power on the floor and i remember from back in the days very first attempts i even had somebody a friend pushing the mat under me so you know i was just trying it and somebody throwing the mat under kind of like they do on the trampolines nowadays so those were the first attempts but on the on the day when i landed it it took me it was the third attempt so twice i landed with the hands down nothing crazy I understood that, okay, I'm not going to die and uh, let's go full power. <laughs> and that's when it happened. <laughs> that's so funny, man. And now one of the other moves that like you've, 
you've been able to do for, I feel like forever as well. And it's funny because I feel like Riku has been able to do it forever too, is your Cali roll. What is like the secret to you being able to pull out that third twist? Because I feel like for so long, that was one of the most elusive tricks in tricking. Like it was a move that Steve Tarada had gone for. And then obviously when Daniel Pitlock landed it, it was crazy. But like for a long time, and even to this day, it's not one that's landed like quite commonly around the world, considering how many you know, triple corkers there are and stuff like that. So what do you think is the secret to unlocking that move? Is it height or is it getting like an extra like speed on your twist in order to land it? A lot of speed. And for me, I noticed that I'm not horizontal. So I'm just <laughs> cheating it. I just do it. <laughs> not clean. It's almost like a cheat 12. <laughs> no, sometimes, sometimes I might hit the horizontal angle, but I think it's mostly about speed and lifting the left leg. Like people don't get good enough takeoff in the beginning. They don't block so they just roll straight through and uh, when I was watching uh, Daniel Pitlock back in the days I always noticed that he steps far and tries to go up first and then he just wraps the twist so I was the second one to land it and I was studying a lot of Pitlock and uh, eventually it clicked and I've been thinking the same that there is not many people who are doing it so that's why I asked last hooked gathering from Tai Chi from Jose and Zen that hey why, why are you not doing Cali rolls? Like you could probably swing through and make it out of hook in the middle of combo. And the uh, Tai Chi was a little bit quiet. And then he just started laughing. Like, they don't think it's a cool move. <laughs> it's not so, it's not so important move to learn. And, but then it took like one month or something and they started posting Cali roll clips. It, it was funny. So basically they, they knew how to do it. They just didn't really try it yet. <laughs> No way. That's so funny. I mean, and obviously we know he can do it because I mean, I'm sure you saw the clip. One of the most mind blowing things I ever saw in my life was at Jam Gathering last year when Shosei did triple B to a swing through into a cart quad. And I was like, this is insane. He literally shut the gathering down for 10 minutes. Like no one would trick. Everyone was just posting and talking and chatting. It was insane. That's so ridiculous. It's it's in insane how far tricking has come in such a short time the level is crazy we we were not even joking about that they're like that's already beyond the jokes we had back in the days <laughs> and it's reality i agree with you man and, and with that being said like obviously someone like yourself who's been in the game for almost 16 years this christmas uh who were your inspirations in the tricking community when you you know were first starting and and do you still stay up to date and who do you watch currently I stay really updated. I, I don't watch as much anymore as I used to because I used to enjoy watching samplers, but I followed, follow the scene, I read what's going on and I watch a lot of Instagram where it has been moved nowadays. But there's been so many inspirations for me, but I will try to limit it down to the ones who had the biggest impact. So for sure, Anis, in the beginning, when I started, he was flying and like levitating in his tricks. So I didn't understand what was going on when he tricked. Then Sesh came into the game and had a big, big impact on my tricking because he brought so many technical transitions and variations. What only started to get popular five, seven, eight years later and only like he released Unleashed Sampler 2007 and only when I watched it later on, five years after, I'm like, whoa, I had no idea he did that transition there. So he was so much ahead of the game. Chris Palualua as the first twisting monster with the double B hyperhooks and box cutters and big variations. Daniel Graham, Jeremy Marina, so the whole Three Amigos 
was a big, big inspiration for me. And then from Europe also, we had Art, Teddy. Teddy was a big inspiration. First, double corks and double cork. Even though Scott Skeldon says that he was the first actually. So he was also one of the inspirations for the big, big twisting. And uh, for sure, I forget a lot of names. Daniel Pitlock was a big inspiration. And there's just way, way too many names. Like I, uh, the list could go on. I was watching tricking samplers all the time when I wasn't tricking. That's when I was watching samplers. You know, every evening I would watch the Loop Kicks DVD before going to sleep. <laughs> That's funny, man. And and it's cool to hear that, like, the inspirations that you have, because I'm sure there's so many other people that view and would put you on their list of inspirations and stuff like that. And along the lines of, like, you staying up to date with, like, the current community and the state of things, like, I'm sure you and I can both agree that tricking is at a level that I didn't necessarily think that we would see. Like, I, I didn't know quad corks would be landed by multiple people and the stuff that Chose has done and invented is so crazy to think that like he's doing moves that haven't existed before uh, like what do you think about the current state of the community right now and like what do you think is the limit of tricking since you know you've been around for so long and you're still active in the game I don't think there is a limit anymore because I used to say the limit we had a we had always an argument with my old roommate that is triple cork going to be landed or not? And I always said, nah, it's impossible from one leg to do a tree twist. <laughs> and he was like, oh, just wait. <laughs> and then when triple cork was landed, I said, the no quad for sure will never be landed. And now it's reality, even in combination. So I think there, like, there is a physical limit, of course, to the twists and the flips, how much we can do. It's still not yet fully found like i'm waiting for the triple full swing cork swing gainer swing snatch cannon to happen or snatch swing gainer switch swing snatch like ridiculous amounts of athleticism but what i'm also most excited about and what i hope will happen even more in the future that people start to incorporate different styles take something from b-boying take something from circles and mix it into their tricking and mix like this crazy powerful tricking with interesting technical transitions and very mm, distinctive styles like Anis used to call like you know making the shapes in the air changing the levels changing the rhythms and mixing all that like how we call it now style and mixing it with the crazy power that's what I'm waiting to see and that is what that's what i think what will happen in the next five ten years because people always get also bored you know when you do something for enough long time so when Chose has found the limits together with zen and johan and all, all that they need to they need to push in another way you can already see alexander anderson today posting air flares to his instagram so you know if he's able to mix and uh, put together air flare swing through straight and together with the triple cork and uh, you know mix it even in a higher level that we have seen yet he will stand out and he doesn't need to do the craziest triple backflip or full in swing through box cutter because it will be enough to combine different aspects that's I, what i, I think what will happen I agree with you, man. That's that's what I'm most looking forward to as well as like I love the groundbreaking new tricks and obviously, you know, adding one more spin onto everything is crazy. The fact that Chose's landed a, a quint full is 
ridiculous. I didn't think that I would ever see that in person. I'd see that, you know, in my lifetime. But I do think that like the style element is something that is still something that uh, should be sought after. You know, that is something that made Sesh stand out back in the days was implementing like knee slides into his combos and things like that that we had never really seen before. So yeah, major props to Alexander. I'm glad that you recognize that as well. And uh, along the lines of that, as far as it, uh, you know, taking tricking out of the realm of just doing, you know, crazy combos and stuff like that. You're one of the few people as well that I would like to say has been able to make a career and a living off of tricking. And I know that this kind of stemmed back with you doing live shows and performances where you integrated elements of dance and tricking and stuff like that. I know you had like the legend trick shows. Uh, how long ago did you actually start doing live shows and implementing these, these types of maneuvers into it? Mm, I did my first show with Team United back in 2007. So long, long time ago. But it was more like you know, some hobby projects here and there, but at the same time learning about the basics, you know, that you cannot trick for a full five minute act. You cannot just do combo back and forth. It will be first very exhausting, very boring, and uh, it doesn't make any sense. So I started to learn the basics of performing, learning the dance, learning the choreographies, and just overall mindset of you don't need to do so much, but you need to sell it to the audience so doing big line 10 gainer switches in a row and landing really clean staying on your spot showing the ultimate control it's much better than uh, doing a triple cork on the stage and stumbling out somewhere so that's what i learned back in those days but let's see when it started to get more serious i was performing few shows here and there and uh, I would say in the year 2015, when I started my own company called Velusta LTD, back in those days we, we were under the name Velusta, Velusta Team and later on rebranded as Legendric Entertainment and Legendric Gym to like uh, separate the show business and the teaching business from each other. That's when I really started to make a living out of tricking. So that's five years ago I started to work from a contract to contract basis, do a lot of gala shows and uh, perform full time. That's super cool. And how many members are a member of like the legend trick entertainment right now? I know you guys, uh, like you mentioned earlier, you have a, a teammate of yours that's currently out on a cruise ship right now. How many of there are you in total? Mm, that's a difficult question. I would say the core team is four guys okay. or three guys and a girl because my wife is one of them and uh, we have a lot of people who come to perform kind of like freelancers who perform with us who teach sometimes for us so I I have hired more than 30 people in general and uh, 30 people are kind of you know sometimes coming for a gala show I fly them back in I like so it's difficult to say I don't know like what is actually the main team core team is maybe uh, four people but uh, in general, you know, there starts to be such a big amount of people who hang out at the gym. They are teaching, they are doing shows sometimes with us. So I don't know where to actually draw the line, like who is, who is the crew, who not. Okay. okay. I would say, yeah, between 10 and 20 are like active, active people now. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And now, what, what do you think is your most difficult combo or trick that you throw in a live show that you feel comfortable? Do you think it's like the 10 gainers to landing? Or just to give a perspective for kids that are thinking about, you know, maybe getting into performance art, we always mention it on the Jamcast, like, you know, hundreds of times, 
that you're not going to be asked to do your triples live and stuff like that. So like, what would you, what do you think is your hardest combo you do in a live show? And uh, what suggestions do you have for kids as far as, you know, gearing their training towards doing performances? Very great question because it's not the, it's not the hardest moves. It's the, it is the beautiful moves or what you can sell to the audience. And for me, I still like to challenge myself. So yes, it is the 10 gainers. Like I need to be last year. I worked in Turkey on a contract. We did six shows every every week one day off for seven months so and i made a promise to myself that i have to do either 10 gainers every night or like a very intricate combo so i did it every night but it's completely useless in a way because i could have done four and the audience would have still <laughs> been blo blown up it was more like training the stamina to be be ready for hardcore training when i get back back from there i would say and actually for many of my artists who go to work and some of the clients they know the move they have worked with me they know that they're like, well there's one leg backflip so this is kind of like my signature in performing so sometimes they ask like is your performer able to do this same like you and i usually for my artist i say that you need to be able to do three if you can do three gainer switches basically i can send you anywhere around the world to perform so this gives gives an idea it, it depends of course in the occasion and who you have to impressed with the skills but you don't need to go too hard round off backhand spring backhand spring with some whip backs in the middle with the big flash kick or anything that is yours for rudy Raynon, maybe it's a really powerful envergado or jackknife in the middle of the dance show and uh steve the rada coming in with the gainer to split so you know you basically you need to be able to catch choreography you need to be able to count the aids of the music and uh, have some signature moves and put them in the right timing, land on the beat or jump on the beat. That's what you should train. 100, man. I think that's great advice. And, and that's stuff that we try to repeat on here all the time. So hopefully hearing it from someone like yourself, people will really take it to heart too. And along the lines with making, you know, tricking a profession and a career and being able to monetize it and make a living off of it, because I feel like that's the one thing that so many members of the community that are young are trying to aspire to or figure out a way where they can monetize something that they're dedicating so many hours of their life to daily. Um, I know one of the biggest things, and I'm so glad that you're there in the background, is that uh, on September 3rd of 2019, I believe you guys had the grand opening of the Legend Trick Gym. And so uh, how long was this in the works for? And, uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about what allowed you to finally formulate and open your own personal gym. Yes, I definitely think... Uh many youngsters should believe in their dreams and go for it. That's the that's the first thing, because for many years, I didn't believe that it, this would be possible. And here I am working as a professional tricker. So definitely, first of all, it's possible. You got to do a lot of work for making it happen. So for me, the plan, like it was already in the sketches like 10 years ago we had some unido center plans even i would say 2007 2008 so it was kind of like a dream for more than a decade but i never believed that it's really possible until when i started my own business and then there was a business i made a business plan that we're gonna do the shows and gather 10 15 percentage of all the money what comes and put it to the gym so and this project went on and on and for years we did shows all around the world until i had the base to have enough to take a loan from the bank and get started 
with the gym. So for four years, we were grinding, you know, in a small apartment. And my wife asked, let's move into a bigger apartment. I thought, no, baby, we need to stay here for a little bit longer. <laughs> like, we have a certain mission. We have to do something for tricking. And uh, I'm so glad I did it. it. You know, you need to stay disciplined for a long time, and it, it's possible. And uh, at the same time, while we were performing, we were running classes. Thank you so much for Bippe, for example, our main instructor for back in the days when we used to perform all around the world. He was teaching classes seven days a week all around our city, making sure that the Velus Tricking Academy, like we call it back in the days, we're growing and new students are starting. And he, together with uh, me and Karina and Ansi, we built the base for the gym to actually be a reality in the future. Then how? The gym, it's now one and a half years. So the opening was 9th of March, 2019. And this has been completely a different kind of a journey. Another another new, new experience, an amazing experience. And most happy I'm to see the scene growing in Tampere. That, you know, tricking was, I felt like it was dying. Old school people were stopping. There was no new people, new kids starting. And now finally it's starting to flourish. So I hope to see much more tricking studios and gyms starting in the future. It's possible. You need to stay committed, but many, many more communities should start and make it happen because that's a way to make tricking grow in the future. Oh yeah, dude. And I'm, it's so funny. I forgot that in Europe, you guys switched the day and the month. So for the longest time, I thought you opened in September on the third, but you opened March on the ninth. <laughs> true, true. That's true. That yeah. Is, we say the day first. Yeah. That's so cool, man. And now along the lines of the gym, like what do you guys offer there? Like how many times per day do you guys offer classes and do you offer classes just in tricking or other disciplines as well? And then how many like open sessions do you guys offer per day or per week? Yeah, the main focus is tricking, definitely. So mostly we have uh, classes in tricking, you know, tricking basic, tricking medium level, tricking advanced, tricking adults basic, tricking adults advanced, and so on. But we also have acrobatics for adults, so more like uh, floor gymnastics for adults, and the same like tumbling class for kids. We have a stretching, like yoga stretching. If you want to get flexible, you want to get your splits down. We have a handstand classes. We have a strength and mobility classes, so you can come, get more flexible, more strong, and it will also help you with your acrobatics. One hour of parkour in a week. What else? Kids tricking club, but it's still tricking. It's always just tricking, tricking comes into my mind. And we have an open session five times a week. And the gym is open seven days a week as now. After. When COVID started, we were struggling. We had to be closed during the summer. Situation was crazy. And now we decided that, okay, it's time to go full on as long as we, as long as we can, because we don't know, is the second wave coming or do we have to close it? And uh, now there's a lot of people who want to start and who want to train every day. So we need to provide. That's amazing, man. And how often are you there? Are you there the seven days a week? And like, how long are you there from morning to night just so kids can get a perspective of like how much hard work it goes into owning a business? Mm, I should and I would want to say that I'm not here all the time and I have some rest days. But after the season started, 17th of August, I, I have been away from the gym one day. So it's like one five, six weeks and uh, basically it's almost every day here. And the days are usually around 12 hours long. 
But I'm now in the situation when I could, I could stay a few days a week away. So the gym is running on its own. I don't need to be here every day, but I enjoy being here and I like to work. I love to work and I prefer to work here inside my office than at home. So I try to separate nowadays work and leisure time, like my own personal life. It's difficult sometimes, but it's easier to try to come here and work. Plus I'm training almost every day. And if I'm not training, I want to see how the students are doing. So I, I enjoy being here and it's a, it's my own choice to do it. But definitely for those who want to open your own tricking gym, I warn you, you have to do those long days. <laughs> and it's going to be the beginning first years. It's going to be really difficult. 100%. I try to tell people that all the time that it's a uh, it's not easy to get off the ground, but if you're fortunate to have a really good team and a good foundation around you, eventually you can get to the point where, you know, like you said, you could step away at this point. I'm really blessed that I have an amazing team where uh, I, I don't have to be there so that I can continue to pursue the entertainment industry and stuff like that. So how many coaches do you guys have there in addition to like yourself? And do you still ever teach classes? Do kids get the chance to train with you or at open gyms and stuff like that? Or do you only train alone? I, I try to teach... Uh, uh, I mean, I try to trick at the open sessions as much as possible. So yes, the kids trick a lot with me and I think it's interesting to see how it will affect them. So it's also like uh, I, I want to be able to be there throwing down and motivate them. But it's getting the more people come, it's getting more difficult because everybody has a question and uh, I, I make a certain line that if I'm at the open session, let's all have a session together and I will not be teaching you. But I'm teaching the advanced class all the time. And now I'm trying to move all the other classes for the other teachers. So we have seven, seven teachers who are teaching every week. And then some people come and go. We might have a workshop or they might come and replace every now and then. But seven people who consistently keep on teaching. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask from you, actually. Oh, yes. So... For me too, and I also want to give props to my team. I have an amazing team and it we, it wouldn't be possible. We would already have been in a bankruptcy a long time ago without my team. So they really are the ones who made this all possible and made it possible for me to be today here and uh, talking to you. But I wanted to ask from you as well that how long did it take for you, the grind, or in the beginning when you opened White Lotus back in the days? That did you used to stay, you know, long days all the time or did you more like outsource it since the very beginning? someone else so when i first opened white lotus man i was there like you said maybe 12 plus hours a day and not only that but like i did everything when i first opened white lotus i sat at the front desk and took people's admission payments for open gyms and everything like i literally did it all with the help of my mom who is an incredible support system i would say between myself and my mom and my one sister who was uh in high school back in the days uh, we literally held down white lotus for the first like year 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 and a half on our own uh, and then at that point because my parents had always owned martial arts schools it was always a family-run business so we really didn't have any external employees except for some some assistant coaches um, but then we got to the point where I wanted to start pursuing the entertainment industry a lot more seriously kind of within the first year and that's when we brought on our first uh, first couple of employees and what's cool about that is one of my first employees ever was a guy by the name of Michael Phillip or Philip Michael and uh, he's been with me ever since White Lotus to the point that now he is the full-time manager of Jam. And two years ago, we gave him 10% of the company as an owner in it, just for his loyalty for being with us for almost 10 years now. 
That's so great. And I know the guy and he's amazing. Such positive attitude always. And I'm happy you've been working together for such a long time. And that shows the culture and the good vibes and the ethics you have in your company. So that's amazing. It's a, it's a big sign to see that somebody has stayed for such a long time and is still doing it passionately after such a long time. And I can definitely relate, man, to you grinding grinding it out and doing it all because uh, that's what I'm I'm now starting to be in the face I'm still in the front desk a lot yeah. I'm, I'm I'm teaching the classes I'm taking care of the free training but I'm in the point now like when I try to step down from that and focus on again more in the performance performing like entertainment industry as well and uh, also more of the management and hopefully being able to open another gym in the future and uh, making sure that everything will run and go nicely even if I'm not here. 100, man. And I, I'm sure you got a great a great thing going for you. The gym looks beautiful, and I know that, like, you know, with someone like yourself at the head of it, uh, people will just inherently be interested in trying to learn from you and also, you know, just part of the community and culture that you're continuing to build back in your hometown and your country. It's so cool. And uh, with that being said, like one of the posts I saw recently on your Instagram was a post where you said you would actually train like three sessions in a day or something crazy like that. So I just wanted to know, like, as you get older and as, you know, as my body's starting to feel it, uh, how many days a week are you training right now? And how is your overall body feeling? Are you able to still, uh, you know, trick as much as you'd like to mentally? And what do you do in order to maintain your body if that's the case? I don't know if you can ever trick enough, but, but uh, def definitely the age affects you in some way, but not so much like people were scaring me back in the days. I'm now 27 years old, so I'm still very young, of course, but uh, I have a different mindset than when I was 16, 17. I don't want to crash as much. I need to warm up. I need to take care of my body and uh, gradually go through the steps of the session until I'm very warm and very ready for the big moves. Um, that was a really special day when I trained three times a day. It's uh, not happening usually. It's just uh, I went to, I drove to Capital Helsinki with Johannes Antila to teach the Helsinki classes. We had a session with him, came back and uh, there was few sessions available. So I was like, okay, let's push harder <laughs> than in a while. So I always try to push myself as hard as I can. I would say the amount of tricking sessions now it's between three to five in a week so no matter what like as much work as there is i still always try to keep the tricking training as the priority number one because i think that's when it all like everything else doing the shows doing working at the gym teaching the classes it all comes from the shots your soul and from the heart so i would feel like if i stop training so hardcore like or if i start to push down it will somehow i don't know i will not feel like myself i need tricking and i need to go hard i agree that's cool man that's super super cool it's just so surreal to me that uh you know to see like where you first started off where i remember you as like a teenager in the gym throwing down crazy tricks to now being able to sit across from you and interview you while you're in your own gym uh it's just it's so surreal to see man and i congratulate you on all your success and everything that you've accomplished so far it's it's amazing Thank you so much. And likewise, following the community and following your journey from back in the days and from White Lotus and what's going on now in the scene. It's amazing. You did an amazing job in LA. You know, you were the first uh, generation of trickers and uh, who really jumped into the industry. And 
you are in the center, I would say, is in the center of it all with Jam. You always provided the, the place to train and the place for the community to grow. So thank you for your amazing work. And I hope I would be able to visit LA and Jam and come to meet you guys as soon as possible again. We've been talking about it with my wife for a long time. So let's make it happen when the world will be in a more calm place. 100, man. And I definitely want to make a, make a chance to make it out there one of these days as well. So I haven't had the chance to go to the Batcave, so I definitely have to try to make it by your gym eventually one day. It'll be a, on the bucket list of things. I hope it will happen. Let's make it happen in the future. Hell yeah, man. And so uh, with that being said, one of the questions, as you know, as a, as a viewer of the Jamcast, I, I have to ask you this before we get out of here. Um, where do you see yourself personally five years from now and where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And that can be either personally or, you know, including the gym and everything you have going on with Legend Trick. Yes, time, time will show, but for sure I will still be tricking unless there is some major injuries or like uh, I ho hope nothing will happen. But <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I will be training. I try to keep training hard still looking at Matteo at this age, no problem at all. Uh, regarding uh, with the shows, I hope I will be more like not performing every night on the stage, but instead more directing, doing choreography, managing the team, hopefully even few tricking teams and uh, doing projects that are fun and let me to be let me to be creative with mixing, tricking with uh, circus and different kind of arts. And uh, with the gym wise and what I hope to happen in the future, I hope I will be able to help other communities around the world because I've, I've been blessed enough to travel to more than 100 tricking events around the world. I know the communities who, who've been training for a long time, who are, who are running classes, what are going on. So always, if you need some help, hit me up. I would be happy to help. And uh, I hope uh, in the next five to 10 years, I will be able to help more people to open up their own gyms all around the world. And definitely in Finland as well, because we need tricking to be able to be uh, achievable any part of Finland. Because many people message me, oh, I'm, I'm so sad that I cannot trick because I'm not from Tampere. And I always answer them, oh man, you don't know, we all started in grass and uh, jumping to the water. Like, come on, you have so many tutorials right now, just go out and learn. And uh, I hope I will be together with my beautiful wife, uh, have a family trick, do some crazy synchronized combos with my son or my daughter and uh, make a sample out of it. That's amazing, man. I, I can't wait for that to happen. I'll definitely be watching it. And uh, like I said, man, I wish you more than anything, you know, continu continued success and good health. And, uh, you know, I hope that everyone continues to be inspired by not only your movements, but the way that you've been able to make a career out of, you know, what you and I both love so much. And so thank you more than anything for uh, what you've done for the community. And thanks for, you know, taking the time to come on here and share just a brief part of your story with the rest of the world. Thank you so much. Likewise, the same words back to you, man. Thank you for all the inspiration and uh, definitely it was an honor to be here. So thank you for having me and letting me share my story with your audience. So before we get out of here, can you uh, look into that camera and just let people know how they can stay up to date with you as well as Legend Trick Gym and where they can follow you online? So I'm most active in Instagram, just hit Vellusta, V-E-L-L-U-S-T-A, and you will see my regular training clips, what's going on in my life. And if you want to follow the tricking gym, Legend Trick Gym, unfortunately the content, at least at the moment, is in Finnish, but uh, maybe you'll get some inspiration by seeing our students pushing as hard as they can. And uh, the same YouTube channels, if you're interested, Vellusta, Legend Trick Gym, 
you'll find it all around the social media. Hell yeah, man. So guys, with that being said, please be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for brand new Jamcast interviewing influential members of the movement community like Velu himself. So with that being said, guys, I got to give a very special shout out and thank you to our guest, Velu, for coming through again. Thank you so much. Hell yes. And as always, guys, coming at you, coming through, I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here on another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.